five. Oh crap! Uh, no, okay, it's good. Uh, <laughs> the second I hit the button, OBS muted one of my inputs, but it's not an important input, so it kind of scared me that I, I I had something set up because <laughs> I have it all wired the stream deck to to do a sequence of actions. Either way, hello, we're back. Uh, loose cannon. It's been a while. Uh, we, we just a series of a series of events uh, made us miss, and we we missed having our episode on banshee's birthday which was kind of a bummer for me yeah yeah it was we did uh did i i I did remember to tweet out on the loose cannon uh twitter happy birthday to banshee and it seemed like a number of people were pretty surprised about uh banshee actually having that moment where um you know they they were in that in that sense uh having a birthday How have your weeks been? Good, good. Just been, just been, you know, regularly busy at work. <clears throat> Summertime, everybody's trying to get back in the swing of things. So mm-hmm. tons of, tons of crap out there. It's like mm-hmm. the world starts to try to move again. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Well, um... So this week we are going to be talking about the uh, lore book, y- your friend Mika Abrams, my friend Mika Abrams. I always forget the uh, the I just call it Mika. <laughs> the Mika yeah. book, yeah, your friend Mika Abram, which uh, follows the uh, encrypted journals of a. I think they I think they dropped that they were like ten years old, uh, a young child. Yeah. In any case, a young child who was on Europa during the Golden Age while Clovis was doing all his nonsense. Um, and they, they're they writing letters to the Traveler, which is cute. And I don't think we're going to talk about it in this episode, but we're planning a two-parter with this because there's so much uh, potential in Mika's character that I think it will come up uh, more fluidly in the next episode that there's a potential, at least in my opinion, that Mika is a speaker or was a speaker while they were alive. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And so maybe and that's do you why. Say, and, and do you say Mika just because that's the way you, 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 you see it or did, did somebody pronounce it that way? Is it not Mika? I just, I don't know. I've been saying Micah. Micah. Is Micah a name? Yeah. Mika's a name. I don't think Micah's a name. I know people that are been saying Micah before. Micah's huh. a name. Well, so that's actually another one of the things that there is kind of a, a question about. So throughout the 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 Mika Abram lore book here, it it doesn't address Mika with any specific pronoun. And right. There is an entry in I think it's the second entry. Uh, yeah, just to kind of like to, to, to talk about this really quick. Uh, seeing Papa again made me so happy. I almost cried uh, once on the way there. I forgot what his face looked like. No matter how hard I tried, I couldn't see it in my mind. It was awful. He's grown a beard, so he looks different now. I like it. But yeah. Dad said he feels like he's kissing a polar bear. Papa and Dad will grow a beard too. Said Dad, Dad will be- grow a beard too once he discovers how much warmer his face will be. Soon you'll have two polar bears for parents, Mika slash Micah. And uh, so then later 
Mika, Micah says to the traveler that you'll see me one day and I'm going to have a beard. And so people have attributed that to saying that Mika was a boy. But Mika 10, who would be the topic of next week's uh, episode, is has pronoun usage of uh, like the mother, den mother of ghosts and she pronouns. So there's basically two sides where you can say Mika has two fathers and they both talk about growing beards. And as a as a young girl. She's just thinking, yeah, everyone just grows beards. Right. Or in in an exo-conversion, which is actually something that I, I, I'm not sure if I talked about it here, but I, I did question when Warmind came out and the first uh, iterations of uh, degenerative exo-mind. Yeah, yeah. D-E-R. Yeah, D-E-R. Uh, when that first started happening, I was like, well, what would that mean for someone who's trans? Because like they, they have an identity of themselves on the inside and it just doesn't reflect on the outside. And that was a big thing that Exos had to overcome, or Clovis yeah. had to overcome for the Exos. He had to have them expressed as they are on the outside as well as on the inside. Yeah. And so it, it kind of makes sense in my head that if there were if there were a transhuman to become an Exo, that their body would need to reflect who they who they are. You know. Yeah. I thought originally it meant we were going to get beards for our exos. Oh man, that'd be awesome! <laughs> not for, not for the awoken or the humans, only the exos. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, nobody gets beards except for for the robot people. Yeah, that I mean that would that would cause the most like delightful upset. Uh, like that's like um yeah. that's like some trickster god shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're giving you beards to the exit. I I like the comment that you made. I like the idea of of Micah or Mika, however you want to pronounce it, um, wrestling with the um, you know the identity of their own. You know what are they, and then having to and then having to relay that to or relate that to der as a concept as well. So it's nice because it, it. if that's the case, then that really puts in a good dynamic for the reader to mm-hmm. wrestle with and kind of give you some sort of some sort of window into what uh, trans people have to deal with on a, a daily basis or in their youth or whenever in their life they might have to uh, overcome some of these obstacles that societal norms are placing on them. And mm-hmm. and I like that. I like that that gives people. Uh, you know, you can't give them a complete, you know, picture of what that person might be going through. And everybody's person's, uh, everybody's going to deal with their own thing differently. But it's a nice thing to to give the audience uh, just because I know that there are certain people at Bungie that want to have their story told. And for, for some of the trans people that, that work at Bungie, uh, this is a good place for them to kind of have a story of their own uh, mm-hmm. be out there for people. So yeah. it, it's nice. You know, you don't just have, you don't just have your run of the mill um, stuff in Bungie or in destiny. Story wise, you have a pretty dynamic story that can, that can be spread uh, uh, across all types. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so before we move on, there was a, a development this week that happened that I actually I actually wanted to uh, talk about. I just remembered it like just before we we started, and so um, you know the story has kind of been going on with uh, this season with this like anti Elixni coalition that Lakshmi has kind of been heading and. Yeah, last, last week or maybe two weeks ago, uh, I forget the exact timeline. The Elixni encampment in the Bots of Ruins was ransacked, and so many things were destroyed, and and banners and stuff were torn down. And so I'm going to put it on the screen. Um, this week, uh, the the uh, banner for the House of Light has been changed from a green glow to a purple glow, and it has a circle going around the the upper half of the symbol. And when I first saw that, you know, my reaction is to assume that the circle means the traveler. And I saw people say, yeah, it means that they're under the light of the traveler. And that's that's the difference. And it's like, yeah, but they were under the light of the traveler before and they they didn't adapt their banner. And in the uh, in the Ishtar discord, uh, Nina, uh, Nina suggested that the color change from green to purple is to symbolize that the Elixni are now under the protection of Saint-14. So it's the House of Light with a Ward of Dawn around it. And, Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, and I really liked like that symbolism that potentially Bungie was going for with it. Yeah. To really show, like, again, just like every every character like has a story to show like how, how full circle Saint-14 could have come from, from being... A, a monster to the elixir people to being someone who's like i'm like i i i can't undo what i've done but i can work to not let that happen again yeah that's really cool i like that yeah. if, if um if that is the ultimate play i mean that really works really well yeah i think i think so as well and that's why i wanted to bring it up uh this week while it's still like this week so anyone yeah. anyone can just like go there and see it for themselves and it's it's pretty so uh, I, I want to point something out because this this is a good marker for us and having these shows you know recorded somebody could go back and read or listen to this episode mm-hmm. but i want to mark that part right there about saint 14's helmet and just mm-hmm. the way his appearance is and i know i've said this before but when we first saw the fallen um friendlies and the spiders you know mob of guys that were mm-hmm. helping us out they have faceplates that are similar to Saint 14's faceplate. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions in my mind always in the back was, which came first? Was it Saint 14's faceplate was attached to his helmet? Or did the Fallen take what Saint 14 had on his helmet and put it on them? And was it a mutual respect thing? I mean, obviously, it had something to do with respect out of one another. They re- recognized holy crap, you're a worthy adversary or yeah. a really hardcore fighter. Let me don your armor. It very much reminded me of the story of the Spartans and then the Roman warriors, how they would take the same mohawk mm-hmm. um, adornment. You know, I'm calling it a mohawk because it has a <laughs> more ridiculous name that just, you know, people yeah. will like, what? You so say anyway, mohawk, people know what you mean. Yeah, so his mohawk adornment on the top of his head uh, that is a Roman-esque type of thing that was stolen from the early Spartans who were the most fearsome warriors mm-hmm. that they loved to, and they loved the story of them. And so they would take their 
look and apply it to their own warriors to strike fear in their enemies. Like, holy crap, here come a bunch of Spartans. Mm-hmm. We better watch out or run, you know? Yeah. And so that fear mentality, that that thing really struck struck a chord with me. So anyway, relating well, that with Saint and the Fallen. Yeah. So I was actually going to say, uh, do you think it could be kind of like a Medusa thing? Where um, who who had the Medusa Medusa face on on their shield? Was it uh, Theseus? No. Oh wait, that was um, what's his name? Oh, you got me in a bad spot. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> Jason in the Argonauts. No. Uh, oh, I'm pretty sure it was one of those two. In any case, though, do you think because Spider isn't a fallen Spider isn't an Elixney who's like for being friendly with other elixney he's very much me against you do you think his elixney servants can wear that faceplate almost to be like to strike fear in the opponent you know it's like we wear the same thing that saint 14 wears we wear that recognizable iconic fear symbol yeah i mean we uh so in in destiny's item lore flavor text there has been uh, there has been stories of guardians wearing the you know armor plating of our enemies to strike fear like that's been said basically in in uh, item lore um before so like we very much do that i mean and, and it's obvious like the a couple seasons ago we had cabal you know he- helmets as shoulder pads for the titans and we had We've had uh, Hive, you know, chitin as armor from raids and stuff like that. So, I, I mean, it's like a running thing where we wear them as hats and, mm-hmm. and armor pieces of their, you know, fallen bodies and whatnot. But, yeah, so uh, what's cool about Saint-14's helmet is it's not a helmet you can get in game at the moment. Um, but underneath that faceplate, if you have, no, if you have the model of saint 14's helmet and you take off those face plates it's the oh. night it's the night helm which looks kind of like a mandalorian helmet but we never got it in game really yeah so underneath that face plate if you took that face plate right off it's a helmet you can't even get in game there's no rare or common or legendary version of just the basic helmet underneath which is a night helmet like like was it from D one? Then there was a helmet that you yeah. could get in D one, but it's not available. Yeah, so in, in yeah, yeah. So in early concept art, not concept art, but early concept alpha picks, whatever, they showed a Titan wearing um, the uh, chest plate. Uh, what is it? The the uh, Alpha Lupi, mm-hmm. the Alpha Alpha whatever, and and so he has that exotic chest plate on, but he has the Night Helm. And so it's that helm, and uh, there's a picture of it. I'll put it in. I'll put it on Twitter again one day. But um, yeah, so it's that helmet underneath the faceplate with a mohawk on top. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So it it, <laughs> it would have been neat to know that maybe Saint Fourteen, you know, was very much like a knight, acted like a knight. You know, I mean, he kind of has a lot of knight attributes, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I see that. Yeah, he's a follower of the speaker. He he addresses the speaker as father, just like a knight would, you know, like 
you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. it just seems neat. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's proven himself in battle and he's headbutted a Kel and he's got this helm of Saint 14, which has got this mythos attached to it. And mm-hmm. so now it's kind of like this thing that's become an icon for him. And so he's, you know, he was a knight and now he's just this almost mythological character at this point. But for the fallen, like you were putting out there, but for mm-hmm. the fallen, he was either a monster or a great, you know, thing. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want to get into the lore card then? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let me get on that one real quick. Is that it's a very uh uh good timing to have have one that actually talks about Saint Fourteen as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I did um I did the Arahant and I, I'm probably butchering that, but it's an it's a Hindi word. Um the Jain Jain religion, which is you know the basis for Hindi, but it, it's a really cool one because it comes from D one and, and so I liked it. Mm-hmm. Because of its relevance in today's story, um, the helmet, if you look at the helmet, it has almost like a unicorn cade spike on the front forehead piece. You know, it's like this apparatus that sticks out. And so there were like in D1, you had like four or five different versions of every helmet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, it might have been an early idea that they just scrapped, but they left the models in game and just left it that way. But they all had the same flavor text. They just had variations. And so. One of them was Arihant Type 2. And this one has the unicorn spike on the front forehead, which is really funny because the flavor text says, a story of Saint-14 holds that when grappling with a great Kel, he caved in the fallen's head with one blow from his own. And so this has been the flavor text that everybody knew about way back in D1 and references to saint 14 headbutting a kel like when that story came out everybody knew oh my god you mean saint 14 was so badass that he was able to kill a kel with one headbutt you know and so that's been a part of his identity forever so this is like an origin point for him um but if you take the word arahant or why the helmet is named that it means one who has killed his enemies And uh, this means a person who has attained nirvana, where the soul has conquered all enemies, attachment, anger, pride, and greed. So those are the enemies, uh, a part of the Hindi Jain belief system that one must overcome in order to ascend to nirvana. Like nirvana is the seventh heaven of ascension in this uh, belief system. And so a siddha, which we've heard that word before in, you know, destiny is a person who has achieved spiritual realization slash supernatural power who has not yet died. Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, in a nutshell, it basically means on this life, you must overcome all of these things in order to ascend to um, a higher state or evolve. And so it's it's neat that this flavor text has to do with Saint 14, because if you think about him and how he has had to wrestle with his own inner demons and becoming very much a demon for others. In order for him to ascend to the next level, he's got to uh, 
he, he's got to be this, this, you know, he's got to overcome these things. Uh, much like the speaker who was his, you know, is this a person that he looked up to? So the speaker has to be held to a higher accountability where Saint 14 views that as, you know, a place of peace and so on. And so um, if you dive further into the Arahant, uh, they are also called Kevelins or omniscient beings as they possess pure infinite knowledge. An Arahant is also called a Jinnah or a conqueror. And at the end of their life, adherents destroy all four Gathya karmas and attain moksha, which is liberation. Uh, and thus, when they become a siddha, the liberated soul, um, this opens up their omniscience. So this hmm. allows them to ascend. So omniscient beings are said to be of two kinds. Um, the Terthanakara <laughs> Kavali. <laughs> okay. Which which is a 24 human spiritual guide who after attaining omniscience teaches the path of salvation. And then the other one is Samanya Kavali. And so this is a Kavali who is concerned with their own liberation. So there's two types of ascensions. One is you can be a teacher to the masses and help them or you can be uh, interested in your own liberation and just hit that, you know, ascension. And so they, so this belief is that omniscience is attained by conquering the four types of karmas and the adherents are free from all 18 imperfections. And so the 18 imperfections of humans is rebirth, old age, thirst, hunger, astonishment, displeasure, regret, sickness, grief, pride, delusion, fear, sleep, anxiety, perspiration, attachment, aversion, and death. So if you can come overcome all 18 of those, then you can ascend, uh, ascend to omniscience. No sweating. Yeah, no sweat. No sweat. You can't sweat. That's a weird one. And so these are attached to the four infinitudes. And so the four infinitudes are infinite knowledge, perfect perception, infinite bliss, and infinite energy. Man, I would just take one of those. <laughs> what were they again? I just want to make sure before I say it. Yeah, yeah. Infinite knowledge. Okay. Perfect perfect perception, uh-huh. infinite bliss, and infinite energy. Yeah. So, I, I always... Um... I, I like having a, a running gag that I know everything, but just because I know everything doesn't mean I remember everything. So whenever I, <laughs> whenever I hear about infinite knowledge, it's like, yeah, you know everything. You're just not going to remember it. <laughs> when the time comes, you're going to forget. One of my favorite quotes was, um, I'll butcher it, but it's basically uh, one who has obtained all knowledge realizes they know nothing. Hmm or that they actually know nothing. Mm-hmm. So like once you've, once you've learned everything there is, you've just opened the door to realization of not knowing a damn thing about anything. So it's like, uh, the more you learn, the more questions you're going to end up having. Mm-hmm. Like where did the dragons go? <laughs> you know, that, that saying in ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah. So you don't you don't worry about all these these questions that don't bother. 
that bother everyone else. All right. Yeah. So then, sorry, that was the Saint fourteen rant and rave. Yeah. <laughs> so then that would bring us to the lore book. Yeah. All right. So. As I said earlier, uh, this lore book follows a young child whose uh, parents brought him. Well, one of his parents brought him to Europa, brought them to Europa, where the other one currently was. And so they call one dad and the other Papa. So there's like a signifier between the two because they don't get named in the lore book. But um, in the first entry, uh, first or second entry. Uh, it's it's said that uh, Papa is the lead quantum engineer at Braytech, while Dad is a uh, psychologist. And so Dad is actually called like a doctor. And in other entries, we have uh, Dr. Hector Abram. So Dad is... Most likely Hector because the lead quantum engineer and the doctor one one is pre-established as a doctor. So dad yeah. dad is Hector. Papa is uh, unnamed, I believe. Still, I'm not sure if there's anything associating. Yeah, I couldn't find father. anything that said their name anywhere. Yeah, they're a little tricky like that. Yeah, <laughs> but so uh, in the first entry, Mika. Yeah, Mika. I am a ten year old. I am 10 years old and a human. That's why I thought they were 10. Uh, they, they were born on Mars. They lived on Mars. And Papa is off at Braytech being the lead quantum engineer. And so Dad is bringing Mika along to go live on Europa. Because Dad, being a psychologist, will is being brought there to talk to the Exos. Because this is when Clovis is really starting to nail down what uh the der issue is and he's like realizing how uh exos need to feel human they need to have hunger they need to have sleep they need to have all those things because even in this later on there's actually a, a scene where two exos are talking and they're like i don't care if i need a break anymore i'm taking one and it's like you actually do need a break because that's what human humans require and putting right. the human brain in an inexhaustible exo body is what's breaking them as i'm sure yeah. we've talked about time and time again <laughs> yeah so like just just the sheer just the sheer fact that you're now in a you know machine body mm. uh, your your brain just your brain whatever that makes you uh your brain just starts to degrade it just falls apart Mm -hmm. just because it just it needs something it needs some sort of familiarity with the biomechanics of a brain or whatever that makes you you uh to help sustain its you know life force so it, it's a neat concept to know that you can't just you know upload your brain into a, a robot body and expect it to just carry on like nothing happened yeah it's, it's like that type of thing you, you you can put your brain into a robot as long as the robot is human you yeah. can't you can't put your your brain into an RC car and be like, "Yep, I'm an RC car now." That yeah. your your brain shuts down. It doesn't like it. Yeah. You know there there's this um I'm sorry. I I got to break off just a second. So there's this So there's this cool uh thing with Japanese culture and Shinto belief 
mm-hmm. where they believe that um have you ever seen spirited away years ago okay so it's kind of like that but they 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 believe that your spirit or people of of people that were here before could potentially carry on their spirits could carry on in inanimate things like you know the water mm-hmm. the sky a cloud um a rock or whatever or an, you know maybe an animal um but so this because of uh modern day you know industrialization really brought on a whole lot of new things <laughs> and so one of their one of their cool th- ideas or one of the things that helps propel this uh thing is Japanese culture has a lot of robots. Mm-hmm. And so and so some of that Shinto um mindset, I want to I don't want to call it belief, but mindset really came into the robots that are a part of their pop culture now and has been a thing for you know over 60, 70 years now. And so there's this idea that you know robots could potentially carry on the spirit of someone who lived on earth before, which is a neat idea. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it's just, it's just something that it's just something that's out there right now. So they're, they're very much people living today that, you know, have this idea that, yeah, robots could potentially have the spirit of someone who was here before. And so you see it in popular Japan, Japan uh, animation and, and uh, even anime over here because of the mm-hmm. influences of Western culture. I think uh, I think my wife actually told me about something like that. Why does yeah. that sound so familiar? One of my favorite uh, animes from way back when was Appleseed, and the robot policeman and his, um, you know, <laughs> I know it's like a buddy cop anime. Anyway, he's this huge mech mech uh, robot, mm-hmm. but you find out later that there's a spirit living inside of him and it could have been, you know, a dead cop basically. Well, but he can't speak. Of course. What? Yeah. You can't speak. What? I mean, <laughs> totally. Uh, one interesting thing though, in the, in this first century or one of the interesting things in, in this first century is, um, Mika asks the traveler, what do you have a hard drive or a brain? Are you an AI like Rasputin? Have you ever talked to him? And so obviously Mika's a kid. There's probably people who know more about what the traveler is higher up in, in the like governmental ladders and everything. But Mm -hmm. it's just interesting that even just a kid is asking like, are you a robot? Like, are you a computer? Like what are you to the traveler? Yeah. No filter. Yeah. Great. And, Are you uh, a computer? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a little, it's, it's a little um messed up as well, because it's like, are you a computer? Have you talked to the other computer? Yeah. <laughs> Have you talked to Rasputin? D- yeah, I know. Yeah, that is. Are you a computer? Do you know all computers? Mm-hmm. Are all computers friends? Yeah. Are y'all all related? Right. Yeah. But um. So letter two, it, uh, Mika arrives at Europa with with dad and sees Papa for the first time. Papa now has a beard and everything. Uh, the, the, the line I said earlier about having two polar bears for parents. And Mika is given uh, their penguin plushie. And it's not a real, real penguin. It's just a plushie. It's a 
plushie that goes inside a spacesuit, just like the one that Mika and his their fathers will have to wear. Uh, a mini version of an ion shield snowsuit because I guess yes, yeah. dangerous ions bouncing off of uh, Europa. Yeah, so you there's need... no atmosphere to protect you from is... sort of a horrible radiation of space. Is that what it is? Because I, I honestly yeah. have no idea. Yeah, something like that. I mean, the I mean, there's a reason why the astronaut suits are designed the way they are, and why you have gold uh, visors in space because um, there's nothing to filter out the harmful. Uh, radiation of stars you know uh-huh. in space so, yeah so like you could just that's yeah. why they're gold i didn't know that what was what, the gold yeah yeah there? yeah that's the gold at well it's a protective filter between you and the harmful radiation so like it, it's just it if you i don't know if you've ever seen an astronaut helmet but that I gold mean, visor actually yeah. flips up uh-huh. so like when you see them standing around in their spacesuits and you see their face through the visor, that's the one that they wear like inside the spaceship or on ground. Uh huh. Well, like out in space. When they, yeah. When they go in space, huh. they have to pop that thing down. That's why I love the Taikonaut helmet so much. Yeah. Yeah. I know you like the Taikonaut. I'm excited <laughs> to, uh, because Bungie, if, if people don't know, I'm not sure if you can even still get them anymore. Hopefully you can, but Bungie is actually selling these penguins and, yeah. Even though it says it right here, not a real one. I'm too old for plushies, but Papa told me, uh, blah, blah, blah. Plus, it came with this mini version of an Ion Shield snowsuit. I was unprepared for when Bungie posted that on their <laughs> store, and they showed that the penguin... Because you collect these penguins in-game. They're out on Europa, yep. just all around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it takes off the top half, and there's a tiny little like beanie baby Plushy. penguin inside yeah. of it. And it's like, what? Like I was not prepared to, to see that. Yeah. yeah. They need to do because now this is a third physical collectible item, uh, unique item because yeah. we've collected ghosts so many times. That's but true. so they they have as uh, right here behind me the rabbit from the moon. They're yep. making the penguin from Europa. Where are the Dreaming City cats? Yeah, they need to yeah, go back and make the Dreaming City cats. What about the Ahamkara skull? Well, I mean, that eggs. would also be cool. I would, I would absolutely buy an Ahamkara skull. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, even if it's only, like, that big, you know, like, I would still, that's still really cool yeah, to have. Cool. Yeah. Either way. Maybe they don't do that for another reason. Maybe because if they actually made Ahamkara skulls, they would be real because the Ahamkara know they're in a video game and they would infect yeah. the plastic. <laughs> That would be terrifying. There's probably actually someone like at Bungie who's like, oh. j- just in case. <laughs> like that fucking. You never do this for so many reasons that have to do with the lore and game. Ahom cars cannot be sold at the Bungie.net. Like that. Um... God damn it. Uh... The, the extra fabulous comics. Have you ever read those comics? They're like little four panel, uh, usually four panel, various panels. Uh, it's like two, it's two boxers face, facing off and the one has his, has his fists up and the other kind of pulls back and he starts going, Kamehame. And the other was like, I quit. It's like, I know he probably couldn't do it, but I'm not going to fuck around to see if he could. Like, <laughs> that's exactly why Ahamkara skulls cannot be made by Bungie. Just in case they just actually case, leave yeah. the game. Just in case. Not going to fuck around oh to see God. if it could. See, their spirits can transcend the video game. That would be crazy. 
You imagine that Bungie video right game maker accidentally creates actual wish dragons wreaking havoc <laughs> on reality. Uh, it'd be like a Chucky. And blame Deej. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to get my plushie suit. So so this was the this was the cool thing about those suits. Do we believe because I do, but mm-hmm. do we believe that those little penguin suits are what they gave to the children. Do you, are you asking if the children were in penguin shaped suits? Yeah. To make them want to go out. I mean, cause they obviously want to go outside and play, but the only thing that they could give them was a, you know, a spacesuit. So they had to make it like kid friendly. Right. I don't think so. Or, I think, I no. think they just gave them regular suits, but then to make it like seem okay, they gave their penguin a special penguin suit. Kind of like the uh, rabbit here. The rabbit has a little helmet and stuff on as well. But I don't think, true. I don't think that the first like colonists had bunny ears on their helmets. No, 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 no. But like, <laughs> but like for the kids to know that they were kids out there. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe it was just like, okay, this is a penguin inside of a penguin suit. Yeah, I, I think it human, was like the same color and everything. Suit. It like looked the same, but it was just well, that like makes this me is wonder the penguin. What, that makes me wonder what the human suits look like. Probably just human shaped, like just armor from Guardians. Yeah, but orange and baggy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Those the Tychonauts. Really baggy orange armor to protect them from the yeah. ions. Weird. And then we go on to uh, letter three. So Mika and letter three, uh, Mika sees their first Exo. And it, at this point, it isn't common knowledge that Exos are actually humans uploaded into robotic bodies. Uh, Dad, the psychologist, Hector Abram, uh, returned from their first session with an Exo looking worried. And Papa told me that that's why Dad is here to talk to the exos and analyze their humanness which is the cause of DR their their lack of human identifiers right because without that extra bit of familiarity that's when it all breaks down uh later on in the entry uh, that's when dad came back looking kind of worried. He wouldn't tell us anything because doctor patient confidentiality, which is annoying. That's what he always says, except this time it doesn't make sense because they're not real patients. And so like it, it kind of makes me like wonder, you know, like the Ishtar team made exos out of their back with like proto exos when they were still like fleshy and had hair and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they uploaded those exos with the copies they pulled from a Vex mind, from a Vex goblin, not even like a full like mind at that. And, you know, Cade worked at Ishtar over overlooking Maya Sunderesh. I wonder if she actually knew he was human because the way that he, she she seemed to have treated him was like, he's not human. He's just a robot, like just a smart AI. Right. Well, OK, so. Um, like the early, the early exos were viewed as that, right? Because they were yeah. just war machines. And then when Clovis was doing this kind of crap, you know, nobody—I guess nobody expected it to work. Like nobody. Well, thought I mean, that- Cade was on Europa. 
Yeah, and I know, but went... Cade was Cade was Clovis's personal, um, you know, because did because didn't he manipulate Cade into a scenario where he had to become an EXO? Right? Is that what what the original? Well, that's what. Weren't? That's what, yeah, that's what Cade's journal suggests, that he had a lot of debt, and Clovis was saying uh-huh. anyone with debt to me can have their debt wiped clean if you basically exactly. sign your life away. Yeah, and so that, that to me, in my mind, so shows that, okay, so obviously Cade was a success. Eventually. As far as, yeah, yeah. But I mean, before... Like, I was just going to say, how many, how many times was Cade unsuccessfully uploaded that he just still had yeah. the backup you know he could have gone <laughs> like four six. or five times yeah. and then finally gotten the success well see i always thought like way back in the day i always thought that Cade six just you know screwed up five times <laughs> that's and that's actually another thing so okay so i just I, I have to jump ahead a little bit here um so in entry five mika over here is exos talking one of them is Cade. And so, uh, Cade catches Mika and stares at him. And then basically what happens appears to be, uh, a spontaneous exo mind reset. So at that point, assuming it was Cade one, he is now Cade two. And then yeah. if you look in, in the, uh, Cade stashes, you had all those like little letters, uh, letters from the wild or something like that. Journals from the yeah. wild. I think they're called on Ishtar. If people want to like look them up. Yeah. Those are good ones. And there was one where Cade mentioned he's he's writing letters to Ace and he, he writes to Ace how he learned too much and he had to get another reset. So if it was Cade 1 and then Tamika, Cade 2, and then this reset, Cade 3, there's still 4, 5, and eventually 6 to happen that yeah. gave us him. So there there's like gaps in Cade's reset. Yeah. And so like at some point he realizes, hey, when I reset, I'm losing this information. So I need to start keeping mm-hmm. track of this stuff with like visual cues mm-hmm. or little stashes. And yeah. so he puts all these things all over the place. Also, he's <laughs> also he's kind of like, you know, he's the anti here. So he has that whole uh, like I need to I can't trust anybody. I got to, you know, I got to be a survivor. And so I'm going to tuck away some really cool things. Like when he took Aris's ship and modified it to crash into the cabal or into the dreadnought so that we could infiltrate all that. But he attached one of his, what was it? A drive, a, a, a freaking, I don't know, a warp drive or something like that. Oh he yeah. Got something. And then there was the other mission where he had to go steal the cloaking thing from the AI or the, from, from the war mine. Yeah. My goodness, like he just knew things. Yeah. And then he said, where do you think hunters got their cloaking tech? Which I don't believe is accurate. <laughs> right, because we were told it was warlocks taught hunters no, how to blink. Hunters, but, it said uh, hunters stole it from warlocks, but don't tell them that. Which doesn't sound like warlocks <laughs> taught it. Because that would, they would know. If they, if they taught it, they would know hunters know it. But hunters were like, I want to do that. And just started yeah. doing it too. <laughs> I don't know. Oh man, it was that weird that Titans. Said said, it was it. weird that Titans couldn't blink because yeah. it almost felt like for no reason. 
Yeah. Well, um, I kind of miss the old days where a Titan was a, a slow moving tank. And then the Hunter was this like super agile, uh, you know, player. And then Warlocks were the glass cannon. And now it seems like any one of them can kind of be the other just by changing up their stuff. I mean, I wouldn't even say that Titans were ever the slow moving tank personally. With the skating. Yeah, with the they skating. They were really fast. Yeah. yeah, they were they were all hunters were never the fast ones, and it kind of bums me out. But it's like yeah. I understand there's like limitations as to why they couldn't be, but it just feels like now they should be. Those limitations aren't exactly there anymore because look at what warlocks are doing, look at what titans are doing, and then hunters are still just not as fast. <laughs> but yeah. It's because it's but a game most people, with PvP. Most if, people play. Most people play as Hunter, which is funny because it, it kind of makes you wonder if, like, most people who play Destiny just really hate themselves, <laughs> or they're just really into self punishment. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Totally. <laughs> like somehow, if you think that you use the like, it was remember No Land Beyond. Like I used to worst. love No Land Beyond. Yeah, yeah. See what I about mean? No Land Beyond. Yeah, see what I mean. So people thought it was the worst gun in the game, but then there was like a whole group of people who just decided to make it the best gun in the game yeah. by proving to everyone how awesome it was, and well, you could one shot people. I will admit, No Land Beyond probably wouldn't have ever been the best gun in the game if it weren't the consistent nerfs to how special ammo worked because no land beyond was back in the primary special days, not the kinetic energy days. So it it ran off of primary ammo and you always had no land beyond ammo. And I mean, even before that it was decent, but it was just like, there were better choices to pick if you wanted to run a sniper. This whole game is just like a troll. So when they sell Gallahorn, when you can't obtain it early in D (laughs) one, I mean, people could have attained it. People did. Yeah, but, it. yeah it was week but two. that was like a very limited amount of people that were able to even purchase Gallahorn because most of the people couldn't grind 100 hours a day. It's not even a thing. But anyway, 100 hours, you it, know, consecutively. I, I imagine it has to be because of PvP, which is kind of silly when Titans and Warlocks can go faster through their own methods. But, like... It, I would love if hunters could actually run fast. If agility actually helped faster move, like run speed, not just walk speed or strafe speed, but actual run speed. Run speed, yeah. Because I remember back when, uh, back in D1, you had the Mita multi-tool and uh, there were boots that made you run faster. Yeah, the look, what was the Radiant Dance Machines? Is that, was that was what that they the were? One? I think it was. I think so, yeah. And... I was I was doing tests in the Cosmodrome, running in um, the Divide or the Rocket Yard, one of those two areas, because it was like solid location, solid location over a short <laughs> distance. Uh, yeah, see yeah. how fast I can go from one side to the other compared to someone who doesn't have Mita, who doesn't have dance machines, and it was huh. like you could go like the slightest bit faster. <laughs> it wasn't like actually faster. <laughs> it was like made it, made it. You know, like yeah, a second after. Yeah, when we do the um, override missions, I I realize when everybody's running to the you know to the thing, yeah, to the portal, I realize how slow I am, even though I think I'm so fast mm. because I'm constantly being outrun by titans and warlocks, 
and I'm wearing, you know, I've got my mobility cranked on high. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's uh really um, demoralizing as a hunter when you're doing the descent. Uh, what's it called? Uh, the descent encounter in deep stone crypt. The one where you're running the bombs into the, the four chests and then you drop down, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. etc. Uh, as a hunter, when you forsake everything, you want to be on that platform the second it <laughs> opens up so that you can get down there and you can start running yeah. so that you can get into the door and then throw a glacier grenade to block your team. And you're uh, the last one to the door, even though you were the first one on the ground. <laughs> that's messed up. <laughs> Very upsetting. Yeah, I, I don't des- I don't I don't deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so letter four, uh, Mika has been on Europa for a month and is attending a school of sorts with fifty kids, two teachers, one classroom. Uh, all the kids have been given the same penguin plushies as Mika, and he he or they notice that. Some of the kids even threw theirs away into the recycling chutes, and so Mika was able to rescue one of them. And they name his their second penguin. Uh, oh crap! What the hell is it? They, they named their second penguin after one of the four members of the Ares One uh, crew, the one who died, Camomile, something like that. Calumet. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in this entry, Mika also experiences their first of, to our knowledge, uh, their first of the prophetic dreams that they had. Which is uh, interesting. Also in this entry, uh, Mika talks about, when talking about uh, Calumet, talks about, uh, that's what scares me. Not the exos or anything else I don't understand. Dying right before a new discovery doing all the work to lead up to something new, then bam, some stupid accident wipes me and the rest of my 290 years out. So a 10-year-old is saying the rest of my 290 years and then goes on to say, I read that before the Golden Age, people only lived to 100 years old if they were lucky and by then they'd be so sick they couldn't get out of bed. So we've always had that that triple lifespan so it's like, I guess the general like lifespan of a human is like 300 years, give or take, you know, maybe you're a little extra healthy. Maybe you're a little under healthy and you live a little longer, live a little less. Yeah. Because of the lifetime span, lifespan from the traveler's blessing, you know, <laughs> however, however that worked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're basically just told it worked and it's good. There's a different amount of light all of a sudden in the solar system. So yeah, whatever that means, right. And it's tripled. Yeah. I don't, you know, anyway, that's a whole nother thing. And so, uh, then Mika's Mika's dream. Uh, last night I dreamed I was an exo. I was standing in the center of a frozen lake in the middle of the night with no snowsuit. And I didn't feel cold at all. The sky above me was completely black except for one bright moon in the distance. Just as I was looking up, wondering what to do next, Dad woke me up. And so, uh, this dream is a repeating theme that comes back later, and is even yeah. the same dream that Mika Ten, an Exo, 
and other lore entries has. So that that was like one of the connectors between the two, aside from the fact that they're both named Mika. Yeah. But it's 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 uh it's like a foreshadowing. Yeah. Right? So but okay, so this is where this is where you go, this is where you put your bookmark in the book and you go, wait a minute. Is this <laughs> is this <laughs> Is this foreshadowing or or something else, right? You know, because yeah. this is where your gears start turning. Anyway. It's like you know it's important, but you don't know why. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it, it's kind of like okay. So, what it's telling you right now in the story is, hey, there's a future version of you. <laughs> that that wouldn't be that have- be crazy though if if Mika could actually like predict the future like that. Oh, man. Well, there is somebody that predicted the future, the Kit Fox lore. The what? Yeah, so in in D1, we got the Kit Fox armor, and there was an artist who predicted the Cabal like a ton of years before they ever were known to to exist in our soul system. Kit Fox. Yeah, Kit Fox. Let me find it. Well, anyway, so like she drew pictures of the Cabal before they even knew they existed. Okay. So th- that's where this game is kind of like, huh? <laughs> so Kit like, Fox. What is really happening? Yeah. Who was Kit, Kit Ali Amir? How did yep. she draw images of a cabal a century before first contact? A century. Dude. Whoever, that- whoever Kit was, apparently... Uh, it's not prophecy. Prophecy is for warlocks and windbiters. I call it I love seeing that at line. a distance. Yeah, I love that line. That's the best one because warlocks and then windbiters. So who are the windbiters? Mm. <laughs> but war, uh, but so windbiters is like uh, is like <laughs> that's not even a thing. It's like basically a, a modern or a futuristic way of saying people who bite bite at their own neck. You know, they just talk. Or you know, spit off the mouth type of thing. So it's a cool hunterism. I love those hunterisms. Like, uh, yeah, you know, like that's prophecy is for warlocks and people who just spew yeah. BS out of their mouth, basically. Yeah, they are very much a hunter. Uh, before the fight, prepare. In the fight, improvise. After the fight, exaggerate. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how oh, yeah. um, how canon this is, uh, because this item is, has been deleted from the data source, but is kept here for reference. Uh, that's so. just like the 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 model, because now you can do it as an ornament. It's just not being in. It's just not in game. Because now the only thing you can get is a mythos hack, and then that other one, the mantis. Well, so because so for example, Kit Fox one point four, the chess piece. Oh wait a second. Okay, never mind. I see what's going on. It was added and then re-added from Destiny 2's vanilla and then re-added for Shadowkeep. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's what was they revamped everything. Yeah. Okay, entry five. Uh, this is the one where uh, Mika encounters the the EXO. Uh, Mika and the rest of the students are taken outside. Mika walks off on their own and overhears a couple of EXO talking about Dad. Dad being uh, Hector. 
when he tried to leave, he made a noise and the Exo chased after him and then caught him. And not only did they chase after him, Cade, and I believe it was actually Cade 1, I think in another entry it is identified as Cade 1, uh, shot at Mika and missed. Yeah. So, tried to kill a kid. That's creepy. But they did talk about uh, when they finally stopped, the second exo said, what did you tell that shrink, by the way? You tell him about the whisper, which would uh, mm. most likely be the long, slow whisper, which Cade mentioned in his um, farewell uh, logs. Yeah. <clears throat> Not to be confused with the farewell sidearm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so as it ends... Uh, I heard shots behind me, footsteps catching up, a bang, a sizzle right over my head, then two cold, hard claws snatched me up. That's when I looked straight into its glowing blue eyes. And it cuts off there, goes right to letter six, uh, where the exocaught Mika appears to have had a spontaneous exomime reset, giving Mika the, the opening to flee. Uh, they returned to the classroom, it was empty, and they saw a number of the penguins abandoned, so they took them back to their room and hid them under their bed. Then they came back outside just as the teachers were counting everyone up and no one had noticed Mika was even gone because these are really good teachers. <laughs> kid kid almost pre- died. Yeah. Ran back yeah. inside. Ran to... Because he mentions how it's like so far from the classroom to his room. Ran yeah. all the way back to his room and all the way back and the teachers were just like, oh, there he is. You know, it would be like really messed up if if they later on said, oh, Micah was dead the whole time. <laughs> so that, that's that's kind of like one of the things that I think about here where I'm like, what if Mika was actually like hurt? Like what if Mika is very much like Adelaide? Like they didn't want to convert uh, them, but something happened. And so Papa was like, we have to make them an exo. It's the only way. Yeah. Yeah. Like eight of one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because that's the gap. That's the hole that we're missing. And mm-hmm. all or when we're done with it. But yeah, it's like this very, there's just like this over, there's this looming thing of like, wait a minute. How did, okay, so we're missing that piece. Yeah. What caused them to become EXO? And so uh, that might not be the case because also in the century, uh, it starts out, sorry, I didn't finish my letter last night. I had to stop for family dinner. Dad's been really strict about that lately. The other night, I thought his brain was going to melt out of his ears because Papa was late. And so it, it's kind of like, what is what is what is dad hearing that he's so paranoid about them being away for longer than they're supposed to be? You know, right. He knows some nefarious stuff is happening with mm. the whole Clovis experiments. And, um, you know, it's getting pissed off because like when I read that, it just almost sounds like if you're off by yourself, is there a chance that they're just going to grab you and make you an exo? Right. Yeah, there's this there's this fear that, you know, there's a machine out there just consuming humans and turning them into exo experiments. But, you know, they don't know that for sure. Yeah, because it's all hush hush. Yeah. Because remember, we 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 read all the um, Clovis lore. Clovis is keeping all of this a secret, even to the people that are part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Very need to know. And then the ones that end up knowing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they get reset when they find out. And that's the yeah, other thing, right? Re- like if, if Papa had learned too much, I think it's very much within Clovis's MO to be like, we're going to kidnap him, make him an exo, take that from his brain. Yeah. 
I mean, he did it to his own granddaughter. What lengths won't he go to? Yeah, Yeah, he's just like, oh, man. Just blinded by his own ambition. Yeah. Uh, Those stories that we get from the exobodies that we scan are pretty good, too. Yeah, and so those exobodies, one of them was actually named Hector, which is the thing. You know, like, it's like, okay, so something Mm. must have happened. Um. So now Mika, thanks to the penguins that were left behind in the classroom, has nine penguins named after the four crew members of Ares One, including uh, Kelumet, who died before reaching the Traveler, and the Clovis family, except for Clovis Two, who at this point was probably also dead. But I wonder, like, it makes me wonder, like, how hushed up was his death? Right. You know, like, was it just kind of just, like, brushed under the rug? Like, Clovis II existed, but, like, don't worry about him. Don't think about him. Yeah, you know, because, like, uh, it, word gets around regardless, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just seems, it seems a little odd to have, um, to not have Clovis too. When you're naming your penguins, right? You have Mihailova, you have Kalumet, you have Hardy, and you have uh, Quau. Quau? And those yeah. four are the ones who went to the Ares, on the Ares 1 to see the Traveler, and then you get Clovis, Willa, Alton, Elsie, and Anna skipping over Clovis 2, which maybe as a kid you just don't want a Clovis 2 when you already have a Clovis. Or, you know, those are the heroes and <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like, was was Clovis too? Just kind of like, don't don't worry yeah. about him. I don't want the bad guy in my pool of cool. It's like when you have your GI Joes or Star Wars figures out, and you're like, no, I don't want Darth Vader. I mean, you absolutely want Darth Vader. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I mean, yeah, most kids <laughs> want Darth Vader, but you know, he's a ten year old, and he's got his heroes, and he's got his hero team, or she, he. Yeah. Well. So this brings us to entry number se- or letter seven, and uh, Mika is having their dream every night now. And so uh, the letter starts, "Dear Traveler, it's been so long since I talked to you. I had to reread my last letter to remember what I wrote. We've been here for almost three months now. Everyone is tired, especially Dad. He's been so busy with his patients that he even called off family dinners." And so, been there for a long time, constantly having this dream. And the dream goes, uh, it always starts the same. I'm an exo standing in the middle of a frozen lake under a black sky and a white moon. For some reason, I start jumping up and down, over and over. Each time, I go a little higher and land a little harder. Sometimes, I worry the ice might break, but then I hear a whisper saying, it'll be okay, even if it does. I won't let you die before the interesting part. As I jump, the whisper goes higher, higher, or maybe it's closer, closer. Maybe it's both. Last night, I went so high, I almost left the atmosphere. From there, I could see that the moon was you, hovering above Io. I reached up to break away from gravity and fly to you, but then a different voice yelled, You're acting so selfish, which is when I woke up and heard Dad and Papa fighting. Yeah. So what what do you think about this dream? Because it feels like there's quite a bit to to take away from this there's, dream. There's a lot to unpack in that dream. There's a lot, and so the whole idea of Io mixed up in there too. Mm. Like what? Where does Io come into all of this? Well, that's where the traveler was during uh, Europa. 
Yeah, but like, so how does he, you know, he's having a dream of being on IO. IO. No, he's, he's dreaming that he's on Europa, jumping up out of the atmosphere to the Traveler, to... which is on IO. Uh, is that how you see that? That's, I mean, that's absolutely how I see it. He's, or the, there's the, the ice, yeah. Right, they're they're the trying to leave Europa to go to Io to the traveler. The okay, I got you. Hmm. Which really freaky. just shows how close to the collapse these events take place. And it kind of shows you, how, yeah, that's true. And it kind of shows you how hidden Europa was from the outside world. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because like he knows, okay, the, the Io is a familial spot, like a familiar spot for people in the soul system. But Europa is very much like a barren wasteland that nobody goes to and is not talked about. Yeah, and the the reason folks went there is because that's where the pyramid was. Yeah, Ooh. which is kind of crazy to be like the pyramid is like hidden in the shadow of the traveler, like right there. You know, there are two moons of Jupiter. So think- so think about the okay. So now, now you throw in the pyramid. Think about the proximity to a pyramid, and then the whispers and the visions and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I I would I would imagine that the whispers being heard are the pyramid, not the traveler. Even if yeah. Mika is potentially a speaker. Yeah. Although. But it could be two uh, whispers because when it says like further in the dream at the end. With the other voice was calling him back. Well, the other voice said, uh, "You're acting so selfish," which selfish, was his father. Yeah. His father. I, I from the next entry. I woke up from my jumping dream to hear Poppy yelling, "You're so selfish!" And then Dad telling. Oh, him that's to right. His voice down. But that's so, right. Because he was yelling in his sleep. So if it, uh, it if the whisper is coming from the pyramid, why is the pyramid telling Mika to go to the traveler? Right. It makes more sense that the traveler is saying, get out of there, come to me, closer, closer, higher, higher, you know, leave Europa, come to me, I'll keep you safe. Right? Yeah. And they're not in Exo yet. If the long slow right. whisper comes from an Exo conversion, which probably comes from the inclusion of the stasis, uh, clarity control, as Clovis called it, involvement, you know, like, I'd imagine... It's the whispers are coming from the traveler. Boy, that that poses a problem. Hmm. So if uh, if okay, so if the long it let's you know assuming that the long slow whisper has to do with um the cl- the clear the effects of clarity. Well, I mean, the long slow whisper is like exclusively a thing that exos experience. Right. And the only unique thing that Exos apparent have is the fact that they they were uploaded into the the Exo shell. But I mean, ideally, that would be a one to one transfer. But it's not a one to one transfer because it needs to have the Alkahest, which is Vex Radiolarian fluid, simulating in theory simulating the human, and Clarity Control Stasis being. So radiolarian fluid being run through stasis to to change its uh yeah structure yeah you know yeah. it's I feel like the long soul whisper has to be tied to the darkness in some way 
I mean, it sounds better because when you think back on previous lore and, you know, the, and mentioning of the, the long, slow whisper, Hmm. it could be, it could be still some way and, you know, in relation to the other whisper. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you branch it off like that, you know, like, okay, the whispers all have one common thread. All right. Well then, so letter eight. As I said, I woke up from my jumping dream to hear Papa yelling, you're so selfish. Uh, so Dad wants to leave Europa. Papa appears to be more faithful in the advancements Clovis is making. And so... um, Yeah, they're arguing. Yeah. I could still hear Dad say he wasn't selfish. The project was just too dangerous, not to mention useless. If Clovis wants stable and functioning soldiers, shouldn't he shouldn't put them through trauma in the first place. And uh, basically, so it starts going, to become apparent that it's not just making soldiers, yeah, mindless warriors, because yeah. he's treating these patients as you know they're just machines, and then mm-hmm. he's realizing these machines are not acting the way that he would have thought machine warrior machines would have been acting, yeah. And so now he's having this revelation of uh oh. So dad's on the side of what Clovis is doing isn't worth it in the first place, but also it's extremely dangerous. Like he shouldn't be doing what he's doing. Not only is it, is it useless, but it's, it's dangerous. And then Papa is on the side of what Clovis is doing is preventative. What if one day the traveler leaves? What if something else comes that the traveler can't stop? Or what if the traveler is to turn on us? And, uh, that argument made Mika feel sick. And Papa's always told told me about how much you've given us, how we should return the favor by learning and exploring and stretching the Golden Age for thousands of more years. But now he was saying, skip the eth- ethics lecture and tell me, if you knew humanity could be wiped out in the next 50 years, wouldn't you try anything and everything to save us, to save our child? And it, it basically just goes on like that. Just uh, Hector, dad, saying it doesn't matter next 50 years. We need to get the hell out of here now. Cause it's going to go wrong. Well, it's the trolley problem again. It's like this, uh, it's like this idea of what's, what's more valuable hundreds of lives, um, you know, going into this effort or, you know, your own life and your kid's life. Like what's more, what's more valuable to you personally that, you know, and so like, you know, that's but, part of like, that's part of the problem that, you know, is survival right yeah you know that is that is a good way to phrase it but there's actually like an added twist to the trolley problem in this case where it's like do you want to sacrifice uh like to keep it simple do you want to sacrifice 10 people or do you want to sacrifice one person and it's like it's easy to say that it's better to sacrifice the one person creating the exos to prepare for the event of something coming to take the 10 people than it is to let the 10 people die but right. in this trolley problem, there's the potential that after the trolley goes over the one person, it'll turn around and get to 10 people anyway. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what ends up happening during the collapse. So yeah. it's like Hector's like, I want to get out of here now because we might save them. We might sac- we, we, we might kill people like Kate off and make them into exos and we might end up saving the future. But this might come back to bite us in the ass, even if we do that. And yeah. You know, Hector is on that side. Papa's on the other side. Yeah. Damn. The only cho- the only real choice you have is to do nothing. 
But yeah. even then, even then you're just accepting your fate. You're not mm-hmm. really. Yeah. And that brings us to the uh, last entry. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me actually just read uh, this last bit. Dad says that's what he's worried about. I love you, but forget about the safe in 50 years. Mika needs to be safe here and now. He said some of the colonists were going home with the next supply ship. He hoped that Papa would join us. Papa started crying then. I got back into bed and piled all my penguins on my head to block it out. It didn't really work because then I started crying too. What's going to happen? So it, it ends with Dad saying, I'm taking Mika and we're leaving. But then you go into entry nine and uh, Mika says, the next day was pretty normal. Papa made me breakfast and walked me to school, which he's never done before. I think he was worried I heard their fight because he said he was sorry for working so much. Then he asked if I liked it here. I didn't really know what to say, so I said yes, but I missed Mars. I think that still made him sad because he said he was sorry again and he said he'd spend less time at work. Dad's been working even more. At first, I thought he'd he'd changed his mind about leaving, but now I haven't seen him for a whole week and my stomach won't stop hurting. Mm. So, Dad, who was like ready to blow up all of Clovis's dirty secrets and leave, disappeared. Yeah gone and uh so this part of transportation you know between mars and uh europa and we know about the what is it called the off-world transit off-world transit yep yeah and then we know like down in those areas there are vex portals and stuff and then we have i don't think those vex i don't think those vex portals have always been there though i think that's a no 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 okay I don't think so either. I think that, do you think that was a back channel for the Vex? <laughs> Cause they saw this thing that existed and they were like, Oh, mm. we could probably use this to our advantage. Yeah. Maybe they might've liked it. They might've uh, seen the, the value in it. Yeah. Or just, it was like, uh, you know, water flowing down the easiest path. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Hector has been gone for for over a week. Uh, Mika has uh, Mika then says uh, what has stopped is the dream. Two nights ago, I finally broke away from Europa's gravity. See, leaving Europa uh, yeah. as I floated to you, the whisper followed. Are you sure you know what you think you know? And so that's actually a good case against me. The whisper followed Mika as they left Europa. So the traveler's whisper wouldn't be coming from Europa. It would be coming from the traveler. So we know that the traveler pushed back the darkness. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. So whatever the traveler's effects have on the pyramid ship seems to somewhat suppress Mm. their influence. Mm -hmm. Because it also, but it also works in the opposite way and it wakes them up because when the traveler, you know, exploded. Uh, when Gaul, you know, did his thing, yeah, um, it sent out that pulse wave, which woke up the pyramids. Yeah. Uh, and then, so I woke up before I got close to you, and last night I didn't dream at all, which must mean I figured out the message. But all I have are these words stuck in my head. Are you sure you know what you think you know? This morning, Papa told me Dad's been sleeping at the factory because he's so busy, but soon he'll get a break, and then we'll spend the whole day together as a family. I'm not sure, but I think he's lying. So, like, even Mika is, like, 
sussing out yeah. Papa's uh, half truth here. Because I'm sure Hector is still at the factory working, but they're in Exo now, you know? And then he grabs Mika and throws him in the Exo making machine and says, screw you, haha, kid. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, but so what actually happens next actually is kind of what we suggested. Maybe Mika, like Adelaide, got hurt. Where tomorrow yeah. the supply ship leaves for Mars and I want to go. So I've packed my bag and once Papa goes to sleep, I'm going to put on my snowsuit and go out to find Dad. I don't care if I run into the whole army of Exos. And so there's potential that Mika was like lost out on Europa, starving yeah. to death, freezing to death, whatever the case may be. And that's when Papa eventually finds him and finds them. And the only way to save Mika is to put them through the Exo conversion. But so like, remember um, we're also finding these penguins in game. Yeah. And so, so there's Are this these places that, that Mika's been like with the penguins exactly. all over. And he was like, oh, I got to know where I was, like breadcrumbs mm. to find his way back. And he got lost or something. Yeah, well, like, I, wonder, that I wonder if that's the way that they were going for it. Because that's that's absolutely possible. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that, that will be uh, finishing off the book, Your Friend Mika Abram. And uh, on our next episode, we are going to continue talking about Mika, but in a, a different sense. Because... I think we both believe that Mika became an EXO and became the EXO known as Mika 10. Yeah. Yeah. Or Mika 10. Yeah. Or Mika 10. That's, that's <laughs> fair. And so next week we're going to be talking about uh, Mika, Mika 10 and what they do, not only as an EXO, but as a guardian, because they yeah. have been resurrected. And, uh, and this is the stuff that goes way back. Yeah. This is some like, D1 seeds finally blooming into flowers. Yeah. You know, it's just like a random name that they decided to put. Like, I won't even say it. A random name that they decided to put into a a, a cloak. That was the first place they had it, right? On the cloak? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, you know, six years later, they're like, now we're going to start telling this story. Up on the bandwagon. Yeah. It's a good <laughs> one. It, it is a really good one. Uh. <laughs> So I actually have to rush out of here, but our next show will be on July 11th. Is that good for you? Yeah, it works. Uh, that will work for me fine. So that's good. Uh, our next show, July 11th, 9.15 a.m. right here. You can find more of us at Loose Cannon Show on Twitter, just like it's spelled there. There's a C-A-N-O-N. Don't get confused that it's not a cannonball. It's cannon. Uh, hand cannon. Yeah. No, no, it's not hand cannon either. <laughs> Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Ask us any questions you have there, and uh, we'll be sure to answer them. And uh, if you came in late or you came in early and had to step away, then you wouldn't be here to hear this. But if you came in late, <laughs> we do put it out in uh, audio form. You can go back and check out our previous episodes. And this one will be up uh, later today, uh, tomorrow time frame. So have a good one, everyone. Bye. Bye.